Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show, where our goal is to bring you the news straight from the front lines as to what exactly is going on with prohibition, with our plant prisoners, with our defendants, everything. Um, we are all volunteers that get together every Sunday morning in order to present the news to you. Um, we've got CCHI Radio, who who is sponsoring us and gives us this platform in order for us to be able to be this voice. And this week's show is really going to be a good one because um, we are having Rhonda Marcy from the Parents for Pot Back to School Drive call in this morning and talk to us about their Back to School Drive um, and talk to us a little bit about Parents for Pot and who they are and what they do. It's very impressive what they do, um, and it's just it's just an honor to be able to. I'm actually a member, and so is Mindy, who is the other host of this show. Um, so after we talk to Rhonda Marcy from Parents for Pot, we have a prisoner by the name of Craig Cecil, and he is serving his 15th year of his life sentence in prison right now for cannabis. Okay, he wasn't even caught with any cannabis on him, but Craig every single Sunday risks going on lockdown in order to call into our show, which is absolutely amazing because he wants to get his voice heard, and we are here to help him get his voice heard. So we find out the news, exactly what's going on behind the front lines right from the prison. And after, after we talk to Craig, we're going to talk to a very, very, very um, heroic man by the name of George Monterano. And George Monterano is very heroic because – George spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison. George was a really close friend with our former host, whose name was Eugene Eugene Fisher. Eugene Fisher served 25 years of a life sentence and just recently passed away um, in the last month or so and was a very close friend to to us and to all of our prisoners as he tried to help help them all become free. So we're going to talk to George in Georgie's Corner, and then after Georgie's Corner, Hopefully, we're going to talk to Jeff Eichen about the Lifers documentary. Um, if, if we don't talk to him directly, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because it's very important that we get the stories of the Lifers out there. And we've got a hemp fest coming up, and we've got all, he's, he's launching the first part of the documentary. So it's really important that we um, advertise that a little bit. So we'll talk to him. And then after that, we're going to talk to Tom Corby, who is a Northern Chapter leader, coordinator for the Human Solution International, and he is going to give us some news, let us know what's going on in Northern California. Um, in between the shows, we're going to talk about a couple raids that I've heard about and a couple other things that are going on out there. Um, but first, we've got to introduce the other host, and her name is Mindy Griffith. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We were able to do the show last week um, because we just were having some scheduling difficulties and we had some things going on. Um, what have you been up to? We haven't been able to talk much this week because you've been traveling. Yeah, I've been traveling and I got to go visit Nora Callahan and see the November coalition. Ooh. That was Ooh. pretty amazing. I got to read and some old razor, old razor wires <laughs> and saw George in one of them. And um, it was really, really great um, to see all that. Um, history and memorabilia from all the work that they did. For our listeners, the November Coalition 
is a nonprofit group that helps nonviolent prisoners who are in prison. And the Razor Wire is a publication that um, Nora Callahan, who runs the November Coalition, uh, coordinated for years and years and years. And it's a, a newsletter sort of that goes out into the actual prisons. And it got a lot, including Eugene Fisher, a lot of our prisoners through the hardest times of their lives while they're serving their life sentences is to, to receive that razor wire. Wow, Mindy, that is awesome that you got to see her. I love her. She's, she's actually helped a lot of people. Yes, it was, it was uh-huh. an amazing experience. Cool, cool. Well, you know, well, last week, oh, well, you know, last week, instead of, um, instead of just doing the show, I, I participated in the 420 game. And it was it, it's it's basically like in a couple of the major cities, Denver, Portland. There's one in California, but um, it it's it's a 4.20 mile walk, and it was in Seattle, um, a really beautiful park. And everybody came came and got a little tag that said 4.20 and and registered to do their walk. And they gave $500 to the to the prize winner, um, which wasn't me because I don't run. But whoever finished, they won $500. And there was a bunch of a bunch of vendors, um, not necessarily vendors, but a p- bunch of um, booths, and they had a, a stretching and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I've been really into fitness lately. So I just I just had, I'd say, give it a 10 out of 10 because it was the best best event I've ever been to. And, Mindy, guess what? They what? want <laughs> they want to help us help our prisoners um, at their next one. So they're going to be giving us a booth to be able to do prison outreach from and in order to be able to get letters signed for some of our lifers. So yay to 420 That's Games. Really for Yes, yes. And there's one in Portland, so I'm hoping to come down there, and I'm hoping you'll go and stuff, and we can we can do something down there. Well, I'm farther from Portland right now than you are, so I hope to be able to go. Oh, <laughs> that's right, because you're traveling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we've we've got our next guest on our first guest on the line, um, Rhonda Marcy. Rhonda Marcy is a board member for the Parents for Pot, um, and we're going to talk first. We're going to find out who Parents for Pot is and um, why they're so special, especially to me and to Mindy as well, as we are both Parents for Pot members, and find out how you could be part of member of Parents for Pot. And we're going to find out what's going on with their back to school drive. So here is Rhonda Marcy to talk to us about all that. Good morning. Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning. Good morning, Mindy. You're here with Mindy? Go ahead. Oh, I'm I don't here. think she heard you. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for coming on today. Um, so, wow. So let's just talk first about Parents for Pot and then talk about the school drive and talk about how people can join and what's going on with Parents for Pot. Absolutely. Um, First, our big news from Parents for Pot is we are a 501c3 IRS organization that can accept tax-deductible contributions now. Um, It's an organization that started, I think, about a little over three years ago, um, though I've only been with the organization a little over a year, and we help um, do a Christmas drive for um, the families of uh, POW 420s who are incarcerated, and we also do uh, our back-to-school drive, which is the drive we're working on now to help the um, those families get backpacks and school supplies and 
help give them that boost going into school. Because as we know, since the families that are on cannabis therapies don't get to use their insurance, um, it's an extra expense of burden to be to use those therapies. Um, we just try and help, you know, alleviate some of that financial stress by helping them be able to get their kids' uh, school supplies and get them into school. And we are a resource for people who want to know about using um, cannabis therapies as opposed to pharmaceuticals that might not be helping their children with severe epilepsy like Dravet's and autism and other illnesses. Um, And we help families that want to move to compassionate states from compassionless states um, where they can get those therapies for their family. So it's a very good organization. Um, it, 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 it's a feel good. It makes you feel good to help these families and um, the children. And um, and I'm really proud to be part of them and help them um, develop a national policy that can affect all chapters in all 50 states and um, and move our organization forward. Wow. So I'm just going to tell you a little something. When I was at the 420 games and I was walking my butt off, there was a girl there, and I'm not going to say her name because um, she's not here, but she, we were talking about Parents for Pot, and I said, I'm a Parents for Pot member. She was like, oh, my gosh, I love Parents for Pot. They helped me and my family at Christmas time. And I was like, they helped my family as well. And I know so many other families personally know some of, a lot of the families that you guys help and a lot of those plant prisoners um, whose children you guys helped. And I know how much it just totally touched our cannabis community, what you guys have done. It's just, it's just, it just brings tears well, to my eyes. I, <laughs> I feel touched being part of that organization as well. Um, and the thing that I found really special about the Christmas drive was it wasn't like just, you know, one gift. You're, you know, the child wants a doll. Um, they actually let the children go on Amazon and put their wish lists up there. And we worked very hard to fill those wish lists for everybody that you know that made them up so they got several gifts um sent to them and in some cases I, one I'm aware of it was even helping some parents who had been sleeping on the floor um to get a mattress and you know a bed in for the mom and dad um, it was something that the kids asked for that they wanted for their parents so it's really special to be part of that but as of course in all these things and everything in today's modern society it all costs us money um, and that's why we come forward um, to ask uh, others in our community to help us be able to fulfill these um, these wish lists and these school supply orders. Um, this is kind of Rhonda for some hugs. Help us get school supplies. Rhonda, as a as somebody who donated to the Christmas drive, I I gotta say it was really awesome and easy. I have a very very fixed income. And I was able to go on and find a gift that was in my price range. I knew exactly what I was buying. And it even allowed me to create a little, um, you know, message card to, you know, send. And so it, I was able to buy a present for one of the prisoners that I know very well and, um, you know, for his grandchild. And right. so it, it makes it really easy for those, for people who, you know, have a very, you know, limited resources to still be able to participate. Absolutely. We And we do help um, the families of people who are also sick 
um, and some of our other activists who we know have put a lot of their energy into helping other people. Um, so, so the you know the 420 um, prisoners are of course um, high on our priority list there, um, but we do help you know like I said other people that are dealing with sick children and um, and families um, that need our assistance. Oh, Rhonda. So um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just saying it makes it very gratifying to to be able to help and to let these families know that. You're not alone, that you're not, you know, we also don't believe that anyone should be incarcerated for a day over this plant, that no family should be separated. <laughs> um, that's one of the things I've put in our national policy um, was from a case that was in Alaska. And even though other states don't have to, you know, follow case law from Alaska, this case was called Raven. It was back in 1974, and it basically said that, the uh, the right to uh, that the the right to privacy in your home and the right to use cannabis didn't give the government the right to come invade your privacy over adult use of cannabis in the home and we've taken that thought and extended it further nor does it ever give them the right to step between a parent and a child and a lot of that case law is very firmly established in our in our court system about what rights parents have and that protection um, that the courts afford a family um, in our country, even as far as not having children testify against their parents. That's something firmly already codified in our judicial system, and yet it, it gets uh, tends to get overlooked when you know they want to ask um, children about what their parents are doing in the privacy of their home as far as using cannabis. So, Rhonda, so um, if somebody, if somebody wants to make a donation, where, where, and how do they do that? Absolutely. So, we have a website at parentsforpot.org, and then the when you go onto that website, there's a green bar across the top, and on the right side of that is a back to school drive that you can click on that talks all about um, the, what we're doing and the families that we're helping. Um, and there's lots of different ways to donate. There's our address. Um, you can use PayPal um, to send um, for parentsforpot at gmail.com, and that goes right to our PayPal account. You can also use a donation portal that's on this website to click on, um, or you can mail a check to um, our headquarters that are in Martinez, California, and the, and the address is on there. Um, or basically, if you're if you're in a state with a local chapter, you can say, "Here, give this to your national for their back to school drive, and they'll help get the money to the right place." Um, if you do go on and do it over the PayPal, do note on your uh, on you know in the memo that this donation is for the back to school drive. Um, Rhonda, I I just realized. Um, do you remember meeting with me out here in the CTAC area? I do. I, I just do. realized I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, I remember when I was uh, vice president for the Human Solution, and you were trying to be the, you wanted to help with the uh, court support, national court support coordinator. Um, shortly after that, I left the Human Solution, and I'm I'm just really excited to see that you're part of Parents for Pot. I am also, and so is Mindy. We are also members of Parents for Pot. It's yeah, that's cool. awesome. I, I I heard about it at Christmas time. 
um, Kristen, and I heard about how one of the um, one of the kids on the thing said, "Wait a minute! If you're going to help me, I want you to help Kristen too. Give her a Kristen. She worked so hard, and we were all unanimously, absolutely yes. Uh, you know, oh adult children of POW 420s are still you know they say a daughter's a daughter the rest of her life. You you never wow. outgrow your um, you know status, that was so. um, that was my dad's business partner's son, Chris Williams, who parents for pot help every single year. And in fact, he was so excited. You guys um, bought him a laptop at Christmas time, but he, um, he remembered me and Mickey Martin. He was like, you're the daughter of a plant prisoner too. And in my, my, I was actually going through really hard times financially, really hard times at that time. So, I mean, you guys just help just, Oh my goodness. It, it meant so much to me. And then when I hear, other people say that you guys help them too. It just it just touches my heart so deeply, and I'm so excited to talk to you again. <laughs> well, you, um, you, so, you do tremendous work, Kristen, and we're all very proud of you. And um, uh, I know your, your dad would be very proud of you as well. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I can't do it without help, though. I, I got Mindy here, and we have Eugene helping, and everything we've been doing is just. I, I just want to say it just takes so much teamwork. Can anybody do anything by themselves? And that's why I asked Mickey if he wanted to come on the show, and he's like, well, I'm going to reach out to one of our board members. And I was impressed. You guys have board members, and you guys are working together, and it's and it's working. It's working out. It's it's amazing. Um, but I'm also that, a member, and so is Mindy. And I'm wondering. Yeah, no, I, was, I, never did get, I never um, did end up working with the other organization because I have been so busy with this one. Um, but yeah. I got to, you know, shout out to that group also, and all the groups out there who are trying to end the prohibition and to, you know, bring sanity, a little sanity to this crazy world. Um, so I commend and everybody. We have a representative from the Human Solution coming on a little bit later on the show. But I'm wondering for our parents, for our, all of our parents out there, like if you are in the cannabis community and you have children. You should be a Parents for Pot member, and if they are interested, even if you don't have children and or you're not even in the community but you don't think anybody should go to jail for a plant and you believe in the, the healing things of cannabis and you believe in the children, how would somebody um, sign up to be a member? Um, you can also do that through our website um, and just note that you you know that your money that you're sending is for uh, membership. I believe it's $50 for the year to be a member of Parents for Pot, or you can find out about where your local chapter is, and you can go through your local chapter to join. Um, and once you just contact, even on Facebook, you can message us through our Parents for Pot, or I also do the Parents for Pot Alaska um, webpage. Either one, you know, Facebook, either message there, and we can put you in touch with the folks that in your area to help you. Um, and especially to be that resource for, you know, people who are <clears throat> having any issues with child protective services and their cannabis consumption or law enforcement or um, <clears throat> or just, you know, how to deal with how to deal with it on the family issue. I I have a policy paper that's going out soon to all of our chapters. I'm trying to talk a little about it's kind of a resource for if you need to slide it under the door 
and tell somebody I want to exercise every right discussed in this paper. Um, it also talks about some issues like the, the mantra, cannabis as medicine has served our community this far really well. However, it's going to step us into the jurisdiction of the FDA the minute people are saying it's medicine and they want to sell it out of a dispensary. I'm trying to talk about the national dialogue of nutrition and plant nutrition. This is a very, very nutritious plant for the human body. Um, and just eating it in its green form, um, getting the meat of the seed makes it complete protein, and you get your omega-3, 6, and 9 essential fatty acids, and that they should not be able to take this um, complete nutrition source away from humanity. Um, so that's a one step of saying this is nutrition. And I tell people it only looks like medicine because when your body starts getting the proper nutrition, has this wonderful ability to regulate your endocannabinoid system and wellness. Um, and the body wants to be well. So if you give it what it needs to be well, it can do all that itself. Um, and cannabis is the number one step in that direction. So, um and then the fact that, again, your right to be a parent is, you know, higher, is more, is stronger than, um, than their right to take, you know, to interfere with your family over the use of cannabis. So right. being able to exert that right and, um, you know, get, I mean, it's a little easier here in Alaska now that we have, you know, passed our legalization, Washington State, Oregon, Colorado, but we need to not stop in those states and you know sit back on oh we did it forget the rest of you guys you know we're working double hard in these states um, because we can uh, have access to it and then that helps us educate others around us about the things that this plant can do for families and for mankind. Um, so that is awesome. I'm just wondering we you you're talking about these chapters. Um, I don't believe we have a chapter in Washington, which I would love to see. I don't specifically have time to start one, but if there was somebody <laughs> in Washington, and I'm going to put a thing out there and, and challenge everybody in Washington, like we've got all these great, amazing things out here, but we're missing parents for pot. So if, if, if anybody in Washington wants to take the lead, I will be your first member. I will help. I will, I will be part of that and, and, and be part of the, of the chapter. So, if you're listening and you're from Washington, how, how long, how much, how much time and effort does it take? And in fact, in any state that don't have parents for pot, I'm challenging somebody to step up and, and kind of say, hey, let's, let's, let's be part of this. Um, but how much time and effort would it take to actually be a chapter leader for if, if anybody was interested in that? Um, and <clears throat> pardon me, I am not the president of our Alaska chapter. I'm actually the treasurer right now. Um, so it is not, you know, it's not a full-time job commitment, but it is one of those that it's going to, the more time you put into it, you know, the further along you're going to carry it. Um, so we, here in Alaska, um, our president is a gentleman named Zane, and we, um, the summer we have, I must admit, not had a meeting recently, but earlier in the spring we had our first meeting and had about 10 chapter members join us and we did um what we called a puff pass and paint where we got to yeah. uh, paint on you know glassware so that's some bongs and other you know drinking glasses and um and we raised four hundred and twenty dollars for our chapter which is what we use to 
send off to the IRS to get our 501c3 status established. That's a $400 cost. Um, so. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we have, and then we have done three, um, you know, public events, um, speaking and having a booth where people can, you know, come and talk about our organization. Um, and then, so we're getting ready to start up an, our, our, you know, we'll have a meeting later in the month. Um, of our general chapter. Um, otherwise, if our, we have four board members here in Alaska, and you know, just four people can get an awful lot done. And heck, sometimes, like at one of the events, it was pretty much one person who put up the tent and, and stayed there and talked to everybody all weekend. Um, so one person can get a lot done, but it's best to have a group behind you. Definitely. Oh my gosh. So. And I, um, I heard you yeah, saying that Luke was going to be speaking out today after Luke Scars Scars Mono. Scars. No, um, Craig Cecil oh. is calling. Him. Oh, different. Craig Cecil. Okay. He's he's on his fifteenth year of his life sentence, but Luke um, Luke is actually a good friend of mine in prison. I've been advocating for Luke since uh, my dad died, basically, and since I took my mom to prison, Luke has been um, has been a been a focus of my of my advocacy quite a bit um and i know his children his child his daughter is wants him out so bad and i know you guys help him and his partner his partner ricardo who is very good friends with with our group as well and your you guys's group has helped their children out so much as well and i just oh my gosh and there what's so go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah his uh, both of those gentlemen's families are on our our list for the school drive as well. What's really um, crazy about that is is that his he is serving a 22 year sentence and Ricardo is serving a 20 year sentence. And they owned medical marijuana dispensaries down in California, and the feds the feds raided despite state laws didn't allow state laws in federal court, and they they were two of the caregivers it's very rare to go to trial only one percent take their case to trial and they were Absolutely. aware of one percent yeah I, and I the, the thing is <laughs> go ahead to, i address some of that federal i'll just throw this out there for your listeners okay you hear a lot of people saying marijuana is illegal federally that's not necessarily true um, when you get into <laughs> the fine details of the law it is a controlled substance like others, and the synthetic derivatives therefore are on Schedule 1. That's not the naturally occurring plant. They've actually had a case in 2004, which is another case I use in supporting my policy paper, that was from the Ninth Circuit. It was the HIA versus the DEA, and they were telling them that, that low amounts of naturally occurring THC, which is the under 3%, is not even on the controlled substances list, the hemp. But of course, you know, mm-hmm. getting that, getting your local DEA agent to realize that, or the subtleties between this plant and that plant, even though they look alike, are not the same plant. Um, that gets a little more difficult. So taking that, there's mm-hmm. also in federal law right now what they call the Ultimate uh, Users Act that tells you if you have lawfully obtained the controlled substance. You, any member of your household or an animal owned by you or a member of your household can use and possess and possess and use that controlled substance. That's in federal law now, and it's the same law why when you're traveling, you don't have to turn your birth control 
uh, pills over at the border or any other lawfully obtained controlled substance. The argument is in the paper that those states who have lawfully allowed it, you have lawfully obtained your controlled substance, and, and it is lawful under federal law. The problem is people need to raise it. The way our law system works, if you don't raise an argument at the appropriate time, you've deemed to waive your right to bring up that argument. Um, so I would say there's a lot of federal prisoners sitting out there in prison who have never, the, the government doesn't test for percentage of THC, just presence or absence in most criminal cases, and that they could be sitting there incarcerated for hemp because the government never <laughs> met its burden of proving the difference between hemp and cannabis to that jury um, or, wow. you know, in that government. So there is a lot that is in our favor as far as for the <laughs> cannabis community in the laws that they have already, um, you know, put down and that we all follow and don't even think a second thought about in our life. Um, when you bring the prescription from the veterinarian for your cat uh, or your child, <laughs> um, that you're not breaking the law. And let me use the case of Shona Banda. A lot of people are familiar with her. She lives in Kansas. She was off at work or shopping one day while her child was at school. He was listening to a bunch of the bad rhetoric about cannabis that we all are familiar with hearing, and he spoke up about it, and that got him taken to the principal's office and questioned by law enforcement. By the time that she got home, there was a, a search warrant being executed on her property. Shona is the author of Live Free or Die, the book about treating her Crohn's disease with cannabis, and she had traveled to Colorado and lawfully purchased from a dispensary that controlled substance and took it back to her home for her own personal use. And I would submit that that is all lawful activity protected by laws that are already on the federal Ultimate Users Act, and it's already codified in federal law. Um, and so I will send you a copy of my policy okay. paper. And, I, again, I'm, this is, I, it just came out, and then we've had a, a busy summer, everybody. So, you know, the board itself is still oh, Roger, reviewing. Um, we've, got, we've got a prisoner calling in, Craig Cecil, who's serving a life sentence, um, and he's calling straight from prison. So I'm okay. going to put you on, on hold for a second. Um, if you sure. um, Let me just answer this real quick. Hold on. Absolutely. Hey, Rhonda, this is Mindy. I'm still on the line. Um, okay. Just so people know, I, I'm bouncing in and out, A, because I'm I'm screening the calls on the back end, but also right. because I'm sitting in a parking lot, and I don't want everybody to hear all the cars coming and going as we're talking. <laughs> so um, I see. But at any rate, uh, I just wanted to give you one more opportunity to go ahead and tell us how people can find Parents for Pot while we're waiting for Craig. Good morning, Absolutely. Craig. How are you doing today? Well, good morning. We missed you last week, but we're glad we're back, and we're glad you're back. How are you? <laughs> I am well. I am well. We're not locked down this week, so we're doing <laughs> a bit better. <laughs> um, we were we were we were just talking to Rhonda Marcy. She's a she's a board member for Parents for Pot, and they're doing a toy drive um, for all the children in the cannabis war. Not a toy drive, but a back-to-school drive where they're trying to raise funds so that they can buy all the children in the cannabis war who have um, parents in prison or who are um, using the med using it for medicine and, and are 
struggling, and they're helping them with their school supplies. Um, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. As you know, the president commuted the sentences of 214 people this week. I saw and, that. Uh, yes, and although I have the list in my hands, no matter how many times I look at it, my name's not on it this time. Man, Craig, I am so hurt. <laughs> We have tried so hard to bring attention to you and to get letters for you to that president. But I did see something about the president said that there is a lot more that he actually wants to pardon but doesn't quite have the time. Did you hear there that? Wasn't a single, there yeah. was not a single pot prisoner on that list. Not no, one. Uh, well, there was a couple of them that had shorter sentences for pot, but none of the pot, no, no pot lifer was on the list. I think there were some of them that had pot and other drugs, you know, combined. Man, my heart dropped, Craig, when I didn't when I didn't hear that you. When I I just want you. The first thing I thought about when I saw that is, oh, I hope Craig is free, and then nothing, not free. But I know with how long, how many pardons, how many rounds is this going to take? Well, the the president and uh, his press secretary made several announcements after this, the announcement of this list that he plans to do many, many of them uh, between now and the end of his term. So I guess there, there is a will there, and 214 is a lot. The, there hadn't been a list that long since, like, the year 1900. <laughs> so, I mean, th- this is something special. Craig, I got my heart set on the next list. Like, I really got my heart set on it. I believe you're going to be on it. You have to be. Just 15 years for a plant. If you're not, you're gonna you're basically gonna be in there for life. And that's not acceptable. Well, just think though, all your messages and all the letters you've called together and all that. Just picture this in the uh, pardon attorney's office. There's a uh, last I heard, I think there's about twelve or thirteen thousand uh, files in there. Imagine what my file has to look like compared to all the others. Right. It definitely, it definitely has to stand out. Well, not just our group, but a few other groups around the nation has gathered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably probably close to maybe even a thousand letters just for you alone. So your your stack stands out amidst all other prisoners. That's why I don't understand is you know why isn't aren't you being called? But, it, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got another event. We've got the Seattle Hemp Fest coming up, um, and the Seattle Hemp Fest. Our group is going to be part of the Lifers um, Table booth, and we, again, are going to try to gather more letters, not just for you, but for some other prisoners who are serving life sentences who have qual- who qualify for the clemency project that they're doing. And we're going to try to gather mass more letters. However, we are all broke and don't have funds to be able to get all those letters printed. So. If anybody out there would like to donate to our efforts in order just to get, um, you know, about a thousand letters printed, so that we're able to gather about a thousand letters for our plant prisoners, or may, or more, as many as, as we can help, please inbox me or Mindy. Um, we need funds to get letters so we can get our prisoners free. So, um, uh, Craig, I'm hoping to be able to gather a whole bunch more for you at the Seattle Hunt Fest. And I know Vicka, you're the person who adopted you is going to be doing outreach as well. So, um, you know, maybe we can, we, maybe the next time you'll get, you'll get set free. Well, I think that'll be very promising. Of the 214 on the, this last list, 154 of them were uh, people that were convicted of crack offense, crack cocaine offenses. Oh, and wow. As you know, the, this administration has a, <laughs> um, 
you know, has a, uh, I don't know, a, a big soft spot for, for crack people in that they they believe that uh, the crack laws were wrong and that they disproportionately affected black people. So there's a, a lot of, you know, trying to uh, cure a racial disparity amongst people uh, charged with crack offenses and bearing crack guidelines versus all the other drugs. But, you know, as, as we've all noticed, there, there's no pot lifers on this list, the 214. There's no pot lifers on there at all. And one-sixth of the uh, drug offenders in federal prison, one out of six of them, is uh, a marijuana offender. So, I mean, we, we are represented in the, in the grand scheme of things, and, I, and I'm hoping that after the president's administration, you know, really addresses their goal of um, the crack cocaine disparities, you know, that they'll look more seriously at people serving life for pot, <laughs> which it's hard to find somebody, I think, in the United States that'll say that the, that it's proper that somebody should be in prison for life for pot. Um, Craig, we have somebody coming on at 10 o'clock. Her name is Amber, and her dad is uh, serving a life sentence for one single joint. Just one joint, a life sentence. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's clearly something wrong with this, uh, with our federal government's marijuana laws. <laughs> no, and yeah, definitely. These, yes. In the upcoming election, there seems to be a bunch of party platforms that are um, espousing the idea of uh, either decriminalizing or, you know, at least significantly changing federal marijuana laws. So I think, you know, coming to new uh, Congress next year with, you know, following the election, I think we're going to see, or I'm hoping we're going to see, some serious changes to, made to the criminal prosecution of marijuana. I really think that that's on the way at the federal level. Well, I'm just worried that they're going to make it a Schedule two, and it's still going to be, you know, regulated like... People can still get raped and go to prison, and you know I don't I don't think it's going to help any of our lifers be free if they if they reschedule it. In fact, I was you're part of a group called Project Deschedule when we were working on on trying to help get it descheduled, but we didn't have enough volunteers to to help with that project. But um, I'm a little worried about that. Right, because the Schedule Two or the move to Schedule Two would actually hurt us. Unfortunately, the federal drug law is Title 21, United States Code, Section 841, which criminalizes any Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 drugs, and it treats them both exactly the same. If you look at that list, methamphetamine is a Schedule 2. Heroin is a Schedule 1. I mean, they're, they're split between the two of them, but in terms of the punishment and, you know, the sentences and, and the criminality, Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 is exactly the same under the drug law. So these people may... This call is from a federal prison. ...may believe that they're actually taking a step towards decriminalizing marijuana by moving it to Schedule 2, but it actually doesn't change anything in terms of, you know, its illegality or the sentence that it carries. It would be exactly the same as Schedule 2 or Schedule 1. Okay. And my fear is is once they do that, once they change it to Schedule 2, they'll feel as though they accomplished something and walk away and, and leave it like that. Yeah. 
Me too. Me too. And what, Craig? What's been going on behind bars back there? Is is there been any fights? Are you are you eating? Are you are you being starved? Or what's what's going on? Well, here's the news. <laughs> I, I kind of pushed the fact that I'd been waiting, you know, nearly a year and a half for my annual uh, tooth exam and my, you know, teeth cleaning. And I pushed at that, and they they answered that people wait about three years for that and all that. But then they came back to me. Apparently, they recognized my name from some publication. <laughs> They got me in about two days later and they treated me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got tears. That is funny. So, Um, who can take credit for that? (laughs) You know, there's a girl, there's a girl, um, there's a girl named Amber. There's the girl I told you about. Well, they're they're neglecting her dad almost to death. It's it's really sad. Um, But he's he's the one who's serving life for a joint. He's in a state in a state jail, and we did we did a lot for him. We got we got signs and not signs, but we made an image and we got phone calls generated. And they're helping him now. All of a sudden, too, they've been they denied him his heart medicine for over a month, and now all of a sudden they want to give him his heart medicine again. And they admit, they admitted, you know, that they that he was getting attention. And so I mean, really bringing attention so that to our plant prisoners. It works. They they feel like okay, well, if we don't do it, they're going to expose us even more. Absolutely. Like I can stand right here looking through a window with bars on it at two layers of fences and just piles and piles of razor wire and guard towers. But uh, those fences and razor wire and guard towers keep the prying eyes from the outside from seeing what they're doing to us in here. And that's where, it's, you know, they've gotten complacent. They've gotten used to getting away to treating us pretty much any way they want to. But when when you and Mindy and so many others shine a light on, you know, hey, look what they're doing in there. It changes everything, and that that's what scares them the most. That they they, yeah. they they fear oversight the most. And it was obvious last week when, in like two days after <laughs> my name came up, but, oh, you're the one. Oh, and better help. Me with, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was treated with kick gloves. <laughs> well, Craig, you know, like, thank you. If I had the world to be able to do what I want with it, I would um, shine a light on every single last prisoner who wasn't getting taken care of. Now, I don't know if you know, but I am, uh, we, me, and my, me and my mother are suing the private prison that killed off my father. Um, it's a big private prison, and my hope is to just is to be able to help other prisoners, whether they're there for you know cannabis or not, not get neglected in prison. It's, it's so wrong what they're, what they're doing to our prisoners. Yes, and unfortunately, you know, again that those that razor wire and those walls, you know, keep the the eyes out of the press and of the people on the other side of the fence, and and that's all the difference. I I think what you're doing is is showing other people how. Uh, people are being treated in the prisons, how the inmates are being treated, I mean, brings all that to public awareness, and, and that's where our relief will come. These people are paid to treat us, and so often they they just don't do it, there, and there's really no reason other than that there, there's no oversight, there's no management. And you're bringing that about. You're, you're letting people know that they're paying a ton of taxes, they're paying 
I guess right now close to $77,000 a year to keep uh, a diabetic like me in federal prison. So that's $77,000 worth of taxpayers' money to keep me here, and there's no reason I shouldn't be able to get dental care and medical care and all that with that kind of money being spent on me. <laughs> well, I just I want to remind all of our listeners that with you working for you know less than a dollar an hour, less than 50 cents an hour on a regular basis, you are also generating them quite a bit of profits as well. So um, I don't think that the listeners, not necessarily the listeners, but the general public, I think our listeners understand, but I think the general public does not realize the slavery that's taken place behind those uh, razor wires and behind those guards and the profits that are being made um, off of nonviolent violent, violent prisoners. You know, Chris yes, and Craig, I was just talking to... I, I was just talking to somebody about that this week where I said, well, they only, you know, a lot of them only make, you know, 14 cents an hour. And the response is, well, but they got free housing. They don't have to pay rent. Wow. I, well, I just wanted to. Believe it or not. A... Go ahead, Craig. Yes. It, and we we do have expenses as prisoners, believe it or not. I mean, we have to pay to get our hair cut by, you know, inmates essentially make their living, you know, cutting hair and, and so many things, just buying gym shoes and things that, you know, are, are not provided for us. You know, even warm clothes to go outside in the winter, we have to buy. You know, the only thing we're given is a light jacket. So if we need long johns or something like that, we have to buy them. And uh, so, it, you know, yes, they, they do provide uh, much of the bare minimum, but uh, in reality, uh, a prisoner needs some money to get by. And you know what that second beat means. <laughs> I know. That means it's time for you to go. Um, you only get 15 minutes. To be able to yeah, the time. Well, thank you, and I thought you'd enjoy uh, uh, <laughs> a whole room full of nervous uh, dental assistants and dentists <laughs> and all that. <laughs> and they were all in the room for me to be treated, and I, I mean, I was treated... Obviously, exceptionally, exceptionally well. <laughs> you should call and congratulate. Say thank you for for treating treating Craig right. You know, he he really deserved it. <laughs> oh, there goes Craig. He's off the line, ladies and gentlemen. That was our hero, Craig Cecil, who is on his fifteenth year of a life sentence. And we talk about sacrifices. Let's talk about one sacrifice that stands out in my mind the most. When you're in prison, and you have to lose family members. That is. What Craig had to experience is his, is his young son passed away a few years ago, a few years back, and he wasn't even allowed to get out to go to his funeral. So as these as we've got people going to jail, sick people going to jail, um, regular people going to jail, losing their sick ones that aren't in jail, we have to remember this is changing lives, like de- just devastating, devastating lives. Um, we're going to go back to Rhonda Marcy, and she's a Parents for Pot board member. We're going to say goodbye to her as we've got uh, George Monterano on the line, who served 33 years of a life sentence. And then we're going to talk to Amber Taylor, whose father is serving a life sentence for a joint, and he's being very neglected very badly. And then after that, we're going to talk to Dr. Allen, and he's going to tell us about Dr. Molly Fry, which I believe there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. Um, it is not cool up in Northern California. That's the news. And then after that, we're going to talk to Tom Corby, and then we're going to probably end the show after that. So let's let's get Rhonda back on the line. 
and say goodbye I'm to here. Rhonda. Um, Rhonda, thanks for st- st- sticking in there. I forgot to mention oh, that, that we was, have that, that call that comes That was absolutely fascinating. And I'm happy to say when you Google Craig's, the word, the name Craig, he pops up um, right there. So if people want to learn more about his particular situation, you guys have done a great job. And and I always think when people hear about somebody in jail, they always say, well, they must have had a lot. And I end up telling them, well, it doesn't matter whether you have one plant or hundreds of acres of plants. Nobody should be in jail for this plant. And I actually took, I w- had the pleasure of being in a field in Kentucky of 27 acres of CBD hemp last fall. And when I got back, I took that photograph to my district attorney in my jurisdiction over in Palmer, Alaska, to show him what I meant when I said nobody should be in jail for this plant, no matter how much I want to see acres and acres of it growing. Um, So (laughs) if, if we all work in our community to, you know, educate the local law enforcement and local prosecutors and judges, and then expand that uh, out, we, we are really seeing, um, big things happen. As far as Parents for Pot, again, our, our, um, our web page is Parents for Pot, and it's um, the number four, the word parents, the number four, the word pot, a period, and O-R-G. And you'll get to our website, our national website, um, and the information for making a donation for our back-to-school drive is on there. And it's uh, if you want to send a PayPal payment, you can do it to parentsforpot at gmail.com and put back to school in the note or memo section. We really appreciate everybody's support. And we appreciate you letting us come on your show today, Kristen. And I look forward to seeing you when I get back to Washington someday. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you, Rhonda. And everybody, just donate to the Parents for Pot. They are really, really, really helpful, and they really make a difference in our war um, against uh, in our war. So thank you, Rhonda, and you're welcome to stay on and just listen. We've got some amazing guests. If not, um, we'll talk to you soon, and I will get you a link for the show so that you can share it. And we love you guys, and thanks for doing what you're doing. Uh, We love you, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, that was Rhonda Marcy. I swear, in this bad, bad war that's going on, they just, like, put a big, huge Band-Aid over it and at least make it better for the kids. I just... And and it works. They they do they do. They're amazing. Next, we're going to talk to George Monterano, who was in prison for 33 years. George was a very very close friend to our former host Eugene Eugene Fisher. Rest in peace to our best friend of our whole world. Um, and good morning, George. Hey, How are you doing today? Hi, You're here with you We're missing you. We didn't get to talk to you last week because we didn't do the show last week. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, we're 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 our middle name is a continuum, so not to worry out there, whoever's listening. And I want to commend you girls for keeping going. And uh, after Gene's passing, he's he's smiling from above because uh, Man, we're smiling back. Would he help to create anyway? It's open mic today. I want to share a little something uh, that I wrote, and what I'm trying to do is give a message that. You know, when the people like me and many others that, that that have come from the cage that are trying to come from the cage for cannabis, you know, we're not we're not bad people. And uh, yesterday, just relaxing, gazing up, and good world. You know what I saw? Saw of the creator. 
I saw a valley in the sky. Yes, and a valley just lined up there with a divide of blue, blue space. Tall, tall trees there as if walls of some high valley. Those white clouds moving slow is as if floor of said valley. My, my. And it all became such a create within a mind of a guy like me. Imagine if and those which to hurt would just lie back and daydream beauty instead of blood. So good worlds, those upon it, do create thy own lovely wonder. And maybe, just maybe, peace shall come to thee. Now, <clears throat> that's what I wrote yesterday, uh-huh. and I shared, I shared it with the world today. But uh, what I, I, I try to do, one. excuse me. I said I sat back while you read that while you read that and I closed my eyes and I and I just imagined these beautiful clouds going over and the same clouds going over the prisons and the same clouds making everything better. That's what I thought right. about when well, you read your Yes. Home. At our open mic uh you know, show I just want to relate to the people that this just I I can honestly say better men than me have died in prison. But I'm out here trying. I did it for myself. I'm out, out here trying repeatedly to make the world understand we're not bad people in there, especially in there for a plant. I haven't met I haven't met any violent guy in there for a plant, as I repeated on other shows. And uh, why my my firm belief that eventually, eventually, I, it's, it's crazy as it's uh, crazy as it sounds, but it is fact. All this violence we see every day, every day, hopefully, you know, just the mindset within the powers that be are going to say, well, you know what, you know, these guys in jail for weed, that's ridiculous. So let's concentrate on the more serious things in nature. Just the news alone in my city this morning, Philadelphia, you wake up and it's every morning, four dead through violence. And that's just this morning. And then you can, you, you know, you can going on what's going on around the country, around the world, but you know, it's not it's not people like us, us we guys at at all. At all, ladies and gentlemen. So that's what I wanted to reflect today in the minds of so many. We're not bad people that were put away for all our all for the remaining of our life for weed. Christian you know what? I'm feeling it. When you're like, there's better men in there that passed away in prison. Like I, I got my heart touched because my dad died in prison for a plant. And when you say that, um, they're not bad people. Like every guest that we've ever had on the show who got out of their life sentences have been some of the not. You said not bad people, but they're actually the best people that I've ever met in my life. Like. I think anybody who stands up for the plant and risks going to prison for the rest of their life, risks dying there, period, is a really great person. And I think the government is wrong by by calling them bad and locking them away. Well, I I, I went on. I lived at many many prison compounds too over my three decades, and I you know I was always involved in programming, you know, lifestyle change programs. And when I would hit an institution, uh, and a lot of people knew I was there, but I also did my own research within the compound, 
And I look for the guys that we're doing life for weed because I know I can utilize them in positive positions in my lifestyle change classes. So I knew without even meeting them that they were going to be a a positive uh, 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 person in my uh, mentoring and educating. So before I even met them, I'd be on a compound a few days and I'd be looking for the the guys who were dying in there for a plant that would actually do be beneficial to the prison settings to educate the ones that were the violent, the violent ones that would would possibly be back in society to do harm. So, you know, until I can get in front of them, the right uh, people deciding factor individuals, let them understand that. You know, no one's looking at it from the flanks like you guys are, and there's no one not too many looking at that were from the inside. I mean, I mean, if you had any politician, there's so there's so many people in law making decisions. There's so maybe maybe one out of ten thousand that had a brush with the law uh, when they were were young. They're they're people that listen, and when it's and it shouldn't be shouldn't be that they're the ones that listen that had some problems in their past, and uh, and and the only thing we can do is what we're doing is be a voice, be a positive voice. You know, we are, we are such a positive voice. There's, there's not a hate message since I've been doing this show since I've been home. Not a hate message, not at all. Not one, not one word of it in our show. So, I mean, what more, what more do they want? I guess we just no, have no, to no. keep growing. We just have to keep growing, Christian. Um, George, we've got... We've got an event coming up, the Seattle Hemp Fest, where we we are going to be able to meet you. Um, and I'm going to be volunteering at the Lifers booth, which um, we're going to be give, gathering letters there. Hopefully, if we can find some funding for the letters, we're going to be gathering letters, more letters to send to Obama, asking him to grant some of our Lifers clemency. And we know it helped one of our Lifers for sure. Um, but is what I'm wondering, they just recently, he just recently pardoned over two, or granted clemency for over 200 prisoners and there were no, none of our cannabis lifers on the list. Um, what do you think about I just, that? I don't know. It's, 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 it's mind bottling. It's mind bottling. I know. Good, good institutional records. I'm hoping that there's another positive plan in place for relief from Washington. I pray, you know, there's something, there's something, so justifiably understandable and justifiably mean within the Justice Department. I mean, uh, I mean I'm mean, i available. I'm hoping someday someone notifies me to bring me to Washington so I can just, you know, state my case, state my case. And, you know, the little, the, the little, the little good I try to do, now you can times that by, by hundreds and hundreds of other good people that are away from I mean, all those guys that got out, I don't know exactly what everybody's doing, but I haven't heard one thing negative. I haven't one thing negative mm-hmm. about anyone. Everyone's out there no, trying fact, to make change. In fact, we had a show, Where Are They Now? Um, in fact, you were on it about a month ago or so, and it was a show focused specifically on the the prisoners that the president had granted clemency to, the plant prisoners, there's just a few, just a small handful of them. Out of all these hundreds of people, there's just a small handful of them. But um, they're doing great things in life. They're, they're beautiful. They're doing things like you. They're volunteering. They're working with kids. They're working on their futures. They're, 
they're being a voice and they're standing up to what what happened to them and what why they're incarcerated for so long and they didn't deserve to be there. Um, but I'm wondering. Um, I want to just let you know, George, that there are a few groups out there that are just fighting so hard for for all of them that are serving life that are still there, and hopefully the president's going to see that too and say, "Hey, freedom for yeah. the plant prisoners." <laughs> Well, this is you guys been at the festival, Hemp Festival before? Um, George, I've been a regular speaker. I just I'm not a speaker this year. I I signed up too late, but I've been a speaker okay. every I, year since they since they killed yeah, my dad. I'm, 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 a, I'm anxious to go. I'm anxious to uh, do all I can and uh, with my voice. I want to speak as much as I can for for the ag- advocacy work. You know that. Uh, yes. Yes. You know, I'll, do- um, I'll indoctrinate I, my stories. I'll indoctrinate my stories, of course, but uh, I wanted to parallel uh, the help others. I don't. I don't want it to be about me out there. So well, I there, just want to be. You know what? I I'm going to tell you. I thought the same thing when my dad first died. Like the Seattle Fest, they reached out to me and they were like, "Well, do you want to speak?" And I've been an advocate ever since. They they gave me a lot of inspiration, and um, it is. Not about you, but you are a voice, and you're a lot powerful, more of a voice than most because you've been through it. So I, I know how you feel because I felt like it shouldn't be about me either. But at the same time, like, just being there, it is about you. You lived it, and that that is so powerful to be able to share with other people. So, like, it is about you, George. You're you're a hero, and people people want to hear what a hero has to say. Well, I do. Uh, I can't wait to hear you speak. I cannot wait to meet you. I cannot wait to give you a hug. Um, you're, you know, you're Eugene's best friend, and you're a hero. You went to prison for 33 years, and you're a plant for a plant. And I, 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 I love you, and I, I'm excited. I love all you guys too, and like I said, I'll do the best I can to accredit it, uh, the whole situation out there and all the individuals. I hope in my itinerary is with uh, all the ones that I became closer over the years like you guys, Mindy and yourself. I hope there is a spot where I can gather with all you you, you people, uh, people from there L.A. Is. Behind stage. Huh? Behind stage. Um, we'll see oh. you behind stage. We'll see you at hopefully the Lifer's booth. Um, and hopefully you'll come by there. And I'm, okay. I'm we'll see you all over the best. Yeah. All right. Okay. Mindy, are you, you going to be there still? I don't think I'm going to make it, unfortunately. I'm hoping that you can um, record George for me. Yeah, okay, I, okay. I, can, I can fly to anything. I like to, I like to do some filming, etc. Like I said, I want to whatever we do out there. I want to, to uh, you know, be a message at any any spot, at any and any at any deciding factors uh, location, whether it's Washington or any, any city. City government, state government, uh, you know, that's what I want to do, be positive all, all the time I'm there, and uh, I shall be. Believe me, I shall So, George, be. We've, been, we've been working with Jeff Eichen, who is shooting the documentary called Lifers, and the Seattle Hemp Fest, they've also been working with Jeff, and they gave him a booth. So that's going to be where a lot of the prison outreach is going to take place is at that booth. So I, I urge you to come around. And what there. is the booth? And then at the night. What? I don't lifers. know where it's going to be yet. It's called uh-huh. Lifers, yeah. And he's, he okay. wants to interview you. Jeff Jeff wants to interview you for the documentary. And then that night, a Saturday night of the Hemp Fest, um, he's launching his first 
debut of the new of the new documentary. So hopefully you can go to that too. I'm actually going to be part of it. I'm going to be doing the interviews on it. And he's going to have a green carpet, and it's actually it's at a theater. It's not at the fest. So I'll get you more information about that too. Yeah, yeah, I like to talk about. But it'd you know, be really awesome. Like, people don't understand okay. what the word life means when it's on a document, it's on a judgment and commitment order. They have no idea what that word means and how it's going to affect your incarceration, uh, especially right, life right. without parole. People have no idea that the most harsh, harsh meaning of it all, harsh reality right. meaning of it all. People have no idea. I was the fourth one in America to get life no parole, and the three before me were all repeated violent offenders. So I know, I know well, firsthand. I know firsthand. How powerful the well, words what, are and how devastating to one's life. Well, that's what this this radio show is focused for. That's what what Eugene tried to you know put a lot of focus focus on himself as as serving 25 years of his life sentence. And this documentary that Jeff is working on called Lifers is hopefully going to be able to make it to Netflix and things like that, so that the mass public can see what's going on um, with our camps right, with our lifers. Right, so. Right. So right, right. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'll I'll get in touch with you more about about that coming up soon. He's really excited to meet you. I told him, you know, he keeps saying, "Hook me up with Georgia. Well, you'll see him at the Hip Fest. We'll be at the Hip Fest." But um, <laughs> well, I I'll be there. <laughs> I'm approved. But I'm he approved, has a... So that's the point. Plus, <laughs> I want to I want to do it a whole in a positive light uh, for my situation in Philly because they allow me to travel out there. And uh, you know, uh, and I and I have to do a good job because other people are under scrutinization uh, with the probation, and also they're giving me this kind of leeway. I want to do justice to it. I don't want to hurt oh, it for cool. other individuals. I don't want to hurt it for any other individual uh, with with federal uh, probation in this country. I want to show them that you know, even though uh, we're away away from our, where we're limited. We still follow the rules, and we still do everything positive to help society. That's very important message I have to deliver also. Okay, so, well. So, um, well, George, I am excited to see you, and we're going to be doing the show again next week, so hopefully you'll call. You'll be able to call again next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'll, you guys in touch with me during the week. Let me know the theme. And I'll theme for you. Don't you worry. Okay, cool, cool. Cool, cool. All Thank right. you very much. All right, Mindy. All right. Thank you, George. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. That was George Monterano, who's serving, who served 33 years in prison. Um, next, we were hoping to go to Amber Taylor. Amber Taylor's father is serving a life sentence for a joint, and she has some major news about about him, and she wants to talk about the children. She is off our line. I know she was having work, work-related work um, issues as far as she was trying to call in on her break. Um, and her break was going to be till 1030, so hopefully she'll, she didn't have to go back to work. Um, dang it. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I think it said 10 o'clock. So we did miss her. Dang it, dang it, dang it. She had a powerful voice. It was very important to go on on here. But, Mindy, um, 
we know that her dad was given his medicine or that they were going to give him his medicine. You know, I've been so out of touch. I was really looking forward to finding out. So I'm not sure which way, you know, what has happened yet. I'm sending her a message right now just to let her know. Oh. All right. Well, let's going to go to our next guest, who is very important to our movement and to the war. His name is Dr. Allen. And at one point, Dr. Got Allen got in trouble for for prescribing medicine and for being able to say, hey, I, I think this is good for you. In fact, he lost his, his license. He was a heart surgeon, a heart surgeon, okay? Dr. Allen went to trial, and he won. Jury nullification helped him, which doesn't help everybody, but it helped him. But he did have to spend time in prison, and he lost his family and his career, and they're still after his medical license. It's just ridiculous what's been going on with Dr. Allen. But he's here today to advocate for a different doctor, um, to tell us all about Dr. Molly Fry, and we're about to put him on the show right now. Good morning, Dr. Allen. How is it going? Good morning. How are you doing, Kristen? We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. We lost Amber on. We want to talk to her about her dad. I swear the prison, okay, you know how... How, how you know how how the uh, doctors and the nurses treat prisoners, and her dad is being treated really bad, really really bad. And so, um, I think I missed her. I think she had to get off her break, but um, hopefully we'll have her on again next week. All right. Yeah, well, I'm there's, happy there's that you're letting me talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is going on well, with Dr. Molly Fry? Well, there's a couple things I want to talk to. Uh, the first thing is about how the government is attacking doctors that uh, help patients obtain marijuana. Uh, and we're considered the head of the snake. And if they can stop us from giving patients uh, cannabis, then uh, they can somehow win the drug war. And, of course, it's, a, it's a ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> doctors are just, just telling patients the truth about this new science. And Prop 215 supposedly protects us, but it's a false law because uh, the medical board doesn't believe in that law and they don't recognize that law and, and they're prosecuting doctors regardless of that law. So really law doesn't mean anything in the United States. It just depends on your on your uh, opinion, I guess, because apparently uh, the police and the medical board can uh, do what they want in this regard. Now, currently, Dr. Molly Fry is on probation after being after serving uh, nearly five years of prison time, and uh, I've been with her a bunch of times, and she does not use cannabis. She's frightened to use cannabis because she doesn't doesn't want to go back to jail, to prison, and um, so even though she's been around me and I smoke daily because of my bad PTSD. Uh, she refuses to smoke in my presence. And I know that she's not smoking since she's been, uh, she's not using cannabis at all since she's been uh, out, out of prison on probation. And apparently they test her twice a month or something. And she's come up uh, with three or four times where the test does not show, it shows dilute urine. Uh, now she's never tested positive, but she's had 
three or four Duluth urns, and and so now the probation officers are accusing her of uh, uh, deliberately uh, uh, trying oh. to uh, yeah, she just, can, avoid she just drink a lot of water that day. What if she just drink, happened to drink a lot of water? She's a doctor. Doctors drink water. Isn't that what that well, caused that to happen? Yeah, and actually, uh, you know, first off, there's a false positive test uh, on all tests oh. that you do. And so so we, if they did a test and it came out questionable, it's up to them to repeat the test. And if they were really concerned, they could do a hair sample. But instead of doing that, the probation officers are just sending her to court. And so Molly's had to hire another lawyer to try to defend herself. And she, and she could easily go back to prison for having dilute urines, not even testing positive. So this war on drugs is so way crazy um, that that these people, somehow this makes sense to them. And so hopefully when Molly goes to court, she's, she says she's got 14-inch hair and that uh, your hair grows out an inch a month, and so she should easily be able to prove with a full length of her hair that she's been cannabis-free for over that time, that, that during that time period. So that's what her defense is going to be. But it's ridiculous that she should have to even do this. And uh, the medical board is coming after me. They're taking me to court in November, and I, I need to get a lawyer, just one lawyer in the whole United States that's willing to take these people on and and take them out of their courts. They use administrative courts to take doctor's license. And what that means is you go to a court uh, with no jury and uh, you have a judge which is basically hired by the medical board. The medical board pays $1.2 million every quarter to the Office of Administrative Hearings. To, and so basically, the, everybody that's employed by that administrative court is a, is a medical board employee. So you can imagine uh, how infrequently that, that, that the uh, court rules against the medical board. And in addition, during my case, I asked my judge, if you find um, in my favor against the medical board, does the medical board have, have the ability to negate your findings and still find me guilty? And the judge says yes. So basically, even if the judge finds you innocent, the medical board can rule against the judge. How about that? So um, wow. I'm still looking to find somebody to sue them in federal court to get an injunction against against the uh, administrative court and sue the medical board for oppression of the science of the endocannabinoid signaling system and file a RICO charge against them. Um, the new MMRSA law says that the medical board, by priority, has to investigate any doctor accused of a cannabis crime over all other investigations. So what that means is the new law that's already in effect 
makes the medical board a marijuana-only drug enforcement agency. And they quit actually being a medical board enforcement agency. They're just, by priority, they have to investigate these cases first. And so I think that that this law is proven um, uh, ra- racism. Uh, it's 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 uh, they've selected us out as a group of doctors that apparently we cons- they consider us more of a danger to society than any other kind of doctor. So I think that they know- they've selected us out. You know, Dr. Allen, I'm looking at it like, you know, it seems it seems like oh, we're getting it legalized in all these states and the president's pardoning grand clemency to all these people and blah, blah, blah. And so from the outside looking in, it would seem like we're winning the war. But yet from the inside, we're like, okay, well, they're still taking people to prison. They're trying to get the doc- take the doctors out. They're trying to do these types of things. And it's like, why are they still doing this? It doesn't seem like the they're going to. The like, Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to give in. It seems like it's just a big illusion to Can hide the fact that, that they are pushing harder. Here's why it's changing. It's changing because of jury nullification. The yes. prohibition people depend on the jury to convict the people that are accused. And what's happening Juries all over the country are refusing to convict people accused of a flower crime. And so this business model that they've had that's worked so well for so many years is a failing model. So what do they got to do? What do they have to do? They have to get it out of the jury's hands. So I predict that all of this crazy law stuff is going to, what they're going to do is they're going to try to get these in drug courts to deny you a jury trial, and uh, the, the, the war is just going to morph into something completely different from what it is now. Well, you know, what a doctor says <clears throat> is <clears throat> like golden. You know, if you have a doctor like you or Dr. Molly Fry who stands up and says this is okay, this is not the way the government said it is, this is totally different than what the government has portrayed this plant to be, and this is actually healthy for you and will actually help you. That is, to me, when if the government's controlling basically the the everything, what a doctor says should, should be more than what the government says, as far as I'm concerned. The doctor says, well, if a doctor says this has medical value, how are you going to lock a doctor up for, for, for that? They're suppressing doctor, the science. Like, They're trying to prevent us. It's kind of like back in the day when when they didn't know about bacteria, they didn't know that hand washing was important before you did surgery. And so right. Dr. Semmelweis was was uh, was attacked because he suggested that doctors wash their hands before they did surgery, and and they caved to them for for telling doctors they need to wash their hands. And this is exactly like this. Since cannabis stops diabetes, it stops everything by diabetes. By the, it reduces diabetes by 66% if you smoke it for 20 years or more. And probably if you eat it, it's probably be, even better than that. So essentially, and no other drug does this, 
So essentially, your doctor could give you cannabis, and it would decrease the incidence of diabetes by 66%. Also, the decrease the incidence of uh, amputations, blindness caused from diabetes, and renal failure caused by diabetes. So basically, you could decrease the cost of renal dialysis on diabetic patients by 66%. That means that money is going to go somewhere else, and they don't want uh, that to happen. And so right. that's the basis of this. This, this medicine controls uh, metabolism. And, and that's why it works for everything. It controls the, your metabolic function, whether you're burning fat or whether you're burning sugar. And by controlling those two things, you control everything else in the cell. And that's why people don't believe that marijuana works for so many things. It's uh, impossible because our current system is one drug, one symptom. And uh, this works for everything, and so people don't believe it. Right. The second issue I'd like to talk to you briefly about is the nursing situation. Well, I got one. I got one. One question for you, real quick. When and where is Molly okay. Fry's court date? When and where is Molly Fry's court date? And can people come and represent, help help her stand in court? I don't know that information. Um, okay. And so, well, I, and I don't know. The, the, the probation officers do not want her even speaking about cannabis. I believe the probation officers oh, are actually goodness. trying to repress her, repress her ability to talk about cannabis. There, so there's a lot of evidence that I haven't even talked about that these that these people are trying to repress this science. And so we need one good lawyer that's willing to take them to federal court to stop this craziness that they're doing. They're attacking doctors. And uh, so anyway, the second thing I want to talk about briefly is Nurse Carmen Brand um, of uh, George County, Mississippi, um, this Loosedale, Mississippi. And uh, she... I believe that she's responsible for the death of several inmates. And here's how the prison um, medical uh, care happens. The prison uh, is a business. And so what they do is they hire a nurse, and the nurse's job is to make sure they don't get sued. That's the first thing. The second thing the nurse's job is to, to try to deliver medical care without breaking the bank. Okay. So she is the triage person, and her job is to see every patient, every inmate that comes into the prison. She has to evaluate their medical issues and either get them to the proper medical care or if, they, if she decides they don't need it, then they don't get it. So her job is to limit medical care. And so if you have a bad medical issue, there's only two places in the prison that you can go. You can go to the to the zone with 24 people in beds, racks, or you can go to isolation lockdown. And in the, on the zones, you have a bunch of witnesses. On lockdown, there's no witnesses. So if you yeah, that's where they that's where they neglect you the most is when you're that's where they neglect you the most is when you're on the lockdown. I know that right. from my dad being in prison. 
And, and George's comments about the, the prison wires are really made to keep cameras out of the prison because they don't want photograph, photographic evidence of what they're doing in prison out. And so I agree. Um, before I got to prison, I heard, or, or when I got to prison, I heard that a month before somebody died from having seizures. And what happened, they had seizure on the floor, they transferred him to the lockdown, and they just let him in there, and he died in prison. So when I got in there, I started making a journal. And I documented, and for some reason, this nurse, Carmen Brandon, was really mean to me, and I didn't understand why, immediately, before I even met her. And I found out that she was uh, the, the, the sister to uh, Sheriff Mike Bird's wife. So... She was kind of a spy in George County. And uh, so I documented all the crazy stuff. She would, she would deny people med- medical care. And I had people sign, I uh, had multiple prisoners sign these affidavits. And so uh, about a year or so ago, another prisoner died. And I think it's a pot prisoner. But I can't prove it because I can't. Because the information is hidden on the internet. Uh, if you try to look up uh, people that died, uh, you can't find obituaries anymore. Uh, because, because I would like to get a hold of the family if I could and and tell them this information, but it's hard to do. And the story on this guy was he was stopped. He had his two children with him. They charged him with two counts of child endangerment. Uh, they charged him with DUI other than alcohol, and they charged him with possession of a controlled substance. And I believe he got caught with a couple joints or something. And he he was a bad diabetic. They put him in prison. They put him in lockdown, and he died five days later before he even yeah. went to court. So he was in prison for five days before he even went to court, and he didn't go to court. Rest in peace to him. Rest in peace. Nobody should have to die in prison if they didn't hurt nobody. Ever. And it took his children away from him. And I think this is a pot crime. And, wow. and no one will even know. So I really need a, a private investigator to help me find the family to, uh, his name is William Dixon. And he's like 28 years old. And I think they... They killed his father and took his father away from the children for a couple of joints or something. So I would like somebody to help me with that if, they, if anybody's listening can help me. I'm going to help a little bit. Try to Google. What, what town was it in? What state? Maybe his family is on, uh, on Facebook or something. George, George County, um, Mississippi. It's Loosedale. The city is Loosedale, Mississippi. It's George County Correctional uh, facility, and his, name, his name was again? William Dixon. William Dixon, and the nurse is Carmen Brannon, and she's Sheriff Mike Bird's sister-in-law. Man, that's a common name too. It's hard to find. Oh, well, you guys, Doctor Allen needs your help to try to figure out this mystery, and um. It's very important to him because he doesn't think that the prison system should be suffering, uh, making our our people suffer. In fact, um, 
Dr. Ella, when you when you say about the, the prison nurses and things like that, you know, I just I just have nightmares of what the prison nurses did to my dad. Is this retarded yeah, it's, and um it's systematic. It's, it's it's done this way on purpose. They they neglect people to, as a business plan. Definitely. I in fact I have I have um when our lawsuits, in fact, I want you to see um, the depositions in my, the case that we have against against the the prison um, who killed my father. The depositions that the doctor, the nurse, and um, two doctors and uh, the nurse and the warden of the prison had to say about how they tortured and neglected my dad to death. It's really it's really powerful, and everything you say um, would be also proven on the videos that I have of them of them of their testimony regarding their well, care for my father. if I could testify in your case, I would love to. Well, it might go. It could be if they don't want to settle, it could be going to trial in the next couple months. So, um, awesome. I would love to have you part of it. So yeah, I will. Um, I'm also gonna try to get these to you soon too, because I think it's. I think you would. I think I want you to 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 view them immediately. Actually. <laughs> Um, it's really crazy. It's really cold-hearted to actually see a prison nurse um, testimony regarding the neglect of a prisoner and their their frame of mind about it, and the way they think about it, and the way they actually act. They they they're they're right. sick people, man. I'm, I'm telling you, there there's some cold-blooded people in this world, and they work in our prison system. Period. There's That's some where they're cold-blooded at. people in this world, and they work in our prison system. Yep. Right. Yep. That's it. That's it. Well, Doctor Allen, right. is there anything else? God bless. Say? We're, um, do you have anything else to talk about? No, no. I'm just okay. I'm just waiting for something to happen. Okay. Well, we love you, Doctor Allen, and thank you for being a doctor and for telling the truth. Damn it, we need more doctors just like you, more doctors like Molly Fly. They're mm. you guys risk everything. You're giving up. People have given up their freedom, and you guys given up your career. Like that's. It's just heroic. Yeah. Thank you. I got her pretty Thank bad you. over this drug war, that's for sure. No, it's, it's too much. It's just too much. Needs to end, like, immediately. All right, well, have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. All right, blessings to you. All right, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was Dr. David Allen, who is a close friend um, to us and as well as the whole war and our cannabis community all together. Um, we honor every sac- every single little sacrifice that has made, that man has made for us. Um, even if the government don't, <laughs> don't like him, we love him. He's a hero to us. So, Mindy, um, you gave me some news on the back end about uh, my dad's partner, Chris Williams. Yeah, I got an email from him, so I know that he is no longer on um, in the shoe. Oh, my gosh. So good. That means that I need to get my butt in gear and get over to the prison, which is less than 20 minutes away from my house, and visit him. However, it's just not that easy. you got to have a bra that don't have underwire in it because you go through metal detectors, and if your bra has underwire in it, They'll kick you out, actually, depending on who the guard is. Some some of the guards will let you through, but there's this big old mean lady who never lets me through if she's working. So, anyway, um, I have to get my butt, find some time to go visit Mr. Christopher Wayne Williams and find out what exactly went on, why he went on lockdown, and um, touch base with him. It's been a minute. 
Don't, um, don't forget so, to make sure your clothes, Kristen, don't forget to make sure your clothes are clean and free of any cannabis residue or they might get, use that iodine, iodine, whatever that wand is and detect drugs. And, oh, my gosh, that was so scary. I'm still traumatized from that event. See, that's the thing. Like, when I visit my dad's corner, I get so scared they're going to do that to me. And I just, I don't want to be bothered by the feds. They get on my nerves. Visiting someone in prison is miserable. Um, so, Mindy, um, I want to say a shout-out to your mother, Melanie Beeman, who is a constant listener of our show, and I want to say happy birthday to her. Um, I wish you a happy, happy birthday. birthday Mama. <laughs> and I also want to say happy birthday to one of our volunteers, Zaka Nichols, who, who comes on and she volunteers. She screams her calls every couple weeks, and not only that, but she's also a board member for the Human Solution International, and she does a lot of things for our prisoners, um, as well as get the word out. And I forgot to mention her earlier um, when we were talking to Craig, and he said that he got all that medical attention because of all the help. That help also came from Becca in the Human Solution as well. So um, happy birthday, Becca. Um, and Mindy, yeah, is there... I, um, I, my mama and my best friend's birthday on the same day. Now, how is how odd is that? Anyway, yes, happy birthday. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so, Mindy, is there um, anything else you want to say? From what I understand, you're, um, you've got to leave the show just a little bit early. So I want to thank you for helping, helping host the show and everything you do for um, the radio I'll, show for prisoners. Well, and if Dr. Allen is still listening um, – we, my mama dug up an article about the uh, about an ex jail nurse who is going on trial, and I sent him a link to the article. I think it might be his very nurse he's talking about. Um, so I sent that link to you on Facebook, Doctor Allen. So we'll see if if we're on something there. Oh, I got goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. Doctor Allen's voice got heard, and we got a clue to this mystery. Hopefully, we'll solve it soon. Who killed? Hopefully, it's a good clue. Because <laughs> you guys know what? I think any type of neglect is murder, period. I don't care if you took the knife and stabbed it in someone or you took the knife and you set it there and then you, tortured them to death until they used it. <laughs> yeah, I know right. what you're trying. I know what you're getting at. <laughs> figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, Mindy, I love you. Thank you. And Love you too, girl. All right. Have, Have a, a good, good day. Have a good show. You too, hon. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was Mindy Griffiths, who she is a hero too. She is a prison outreach specialist who puts her heart and her soul into freeing prisoners. She communicates with them behind the scenes. She finds out what they need, and she tries her very, 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 very best, and she gives everything she can in trying to coordinate their needs. Like, her heart is so big. She comes on the show every single week. In fact, before she was the other host of the show, she was the producer. And her and um, her and Eugene Fisher, rest in peace, and I would get together every week and be like, well, who can we have on the show? Who? What's going on? What needs to be heard? What's, what is it? So that's Mindy, and we love her. Thank you, Mindy. Um, next, we're going to go to our very last guest. His name is... Tom Corby, and Tom Corby is an ex-defendant from Northern California, and Tom Corby was facing prison time, so was his wife, 
and I was on the big old green cannabis with the human solution and the cannabis, um, Stacey Tice is a big green bus, which I'm hoping we'll have her on next week. If anybody of you guys don't know who Stacey Tice is, stay tuned. You'll find out. And if you do know, OMG, she's about to be on. But um, she's going to be on, hopefully. I'm going to ask her. And um, anyway, we're on her bus, and we're traveling up to my dad's business partner, Chris Williams, uh, sentencing, and we stopped through Northern California, and there was Tom and his wife facing charges about to go to prison for a plant, but yet they stood up and they, like, fought their case and they came with, to a better conclusion to where they didn't have to go to jail. And now Tom is a northern chapter coordinator for the Human Solution International um, where he coordinates court support and prison outreach, and he does a damn good job at it. Um, and he's here right now on the line in order to give us the news from the front lines in northern California. Hold on, here he is. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Uh, top of the day, Kristen, Mindy. Uh, uh, when we talk about jury nullification, uh, it's so glad to hear uh, Dr. Allen talk. Uh, and his case is historical. Uh, anything we can do to help Dr. Allen and these doctors, uh, it's a shame uh, they're being targeted. Uh, they really take a chance uh, when they come for their patients for cannabis. It's really a shame. Uh, in Northern California, we talk about jury nullification. Uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, in this last uh, July, we had uh, we actually have one, two, three, four. At least four cases up here going to trial. Uh, we have a new case. I don't know where to start here. I'm probably going to get out of uh, order here a little bit. Uh, all these cases, uh, most of them actually come from code enforcement violations. What's that say? Uh, if you have a garden, uh, code enforcement comes. You need to have your private property signs up, and you need to you need to chew. Uh, if when they come, you do not let them into your garden without a warrant. They they cannot come in without a warrant, and uh, I don't know where to start on these code enforcement, but. Alex Lyons was at a uh, supervisory meeting the other day, and one of the code enforcement officers that was at his, that when he got busted, he talked to him and he says, from now on, code enforcement is not going to comply or follow through on a lot of these. I guess they're kind of like a Google church on a map, gardens, and these, these people like uh, are uh, complainants or complaining uh, without justification, also these flyovers with the helicopters. He says, from now on, we're not going to follow through on a lot of these. He says, first of all, it, it, we can't. He says, we're, uh, it's just too much for them. There's too much to do. So uh, we're backing them down on this code enforcement because uh, – they're, they're, they're stepping over the laws and uh, the guidelines, actually. 
uh, if more people would take them on to trial, I don't think we'd be here today because Dr. Allen said uh, jury nullification, so many people now are getting educated, and it's amazing how many people I talk to that don't have a clue on their rights as a juror. And uh, I'm just thankful here in Duke County. I think a lot of its feminists now are getting the message to take them on to trial and always shoot for a 995 dismissal motion and also to challenge the warrant on probable cause uh, and caution traverse these warrants on probable cause. So uh, coming up, actually what, what happens here uh, in July, we had Eric Pierce, uh, Lyons, Moran, Shelby, Benos, uh, all, all went to uh, pre-trial conferences, trial readiness conferences, uh, trial assignment conferences. They're all the same. Uh, they're just basically buying time to build a case to move on to trial. Uh, we have what happens. It's, it's, this all happened in the middle of July. All these cases are from 13, 14, 15th of July. Now, uh, like the Benos and uh, Nick Moran hired Joseph Tully, uh, and and doing that when you hire when you recuse a PD or an incompetent attorney, and you hire another attorney, that attorney needs at least a couple months to build a case. This is why I look at my calendar in August and it's bare. Why is that? Uh, because all these cases need too much from the 15th of July to the middle of September where they're all going to trial. They're all going to pre-trial conferences. Uh, you can go to the calendar at the humansolutioninternational.org and click on uh, and you'll see that uh, first of all we have Eric Pierce. Uh, I, I have my wife pads here. I always tell people I have a legal pad and be writing. And I have all these cases here. And I could expound for about an hour on each one of these cases, what's happening up here in, in Northern California. And, of course, other counties, too. Uh, uh, Pierce's case, uh, I mean, I'm trying to find it right here. He actually, what happened... A complainant, the same complainant dad, he's the fire chief, Justin Hoffman's dad, complained that Eric Michael Pierce's trees were on his property. He might have seen something on Facebook on this post. Uh, Eric Michael Pierce had it surveyed and proved that his trees were not on the other side of his property line. So if any case should be dismissed, go away. This case should be dismissed and go away. Uh, we also have Matt Sears and Vaughn Block. You've, uh, we, you've seen their post. Uh, he was on uh, Medicinal Mike's radio show here about a month ago. Uh, I, I thought we've, we went to their pre-trial conference here. I really like Matt. And they actually got married since they got busted uh, here uh, and actually uh, uh, Butte and Yuba County uh, are working together 
And uh, we have Heath, we have Net 5, and we have Mark 5. And uh, they, uh, <laughs> they're working together. And uh, the code enforcement, now listen to this. When we talk about being charged for crime, you must have a complaint. Think about this one. Code enforcement comes because the owner of a property had a warrant out for purchase charges. Now, that gives probable cause when they come to search and take their plants. That's BS. There's no complaint. There can be no charge. There's another case that I see that should go away on a 995 dismissal charge uh, uh, a motion. Excuse me. Uh, I, I, the reason I'm out of sorts here is because I'm overloaded with uh, all these cases. Uh, Benos uh, went to uh, to their uh, uh, refused their uh, another incompetent PD on the 15th of September. Uh, let's see, let's see, July. And uh, what they're going to do is they're going on, uh, and I'm suggesting to these attorneys, and, and most of them are going on through pitches motions. What's that say? Uh, pitches interpreted motions uh, bring forth the officer's credibility. Uh, we can actually go in and get the records. And on these, and it's 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 almost like it's like a subpoena. And these subpoenas and pitches motions are good because think about it: if you're one of the officers, all of a sudden you get a uh, you have to go to trial, you have to go to court. Uh, uh, also, the complaints when you when you uh, subpoena your complaints, these neighbors that complain, uh, when they find out, they might have to go to court. Uh, you see that why they might back off and why some of these cases are going away. Uh, I could go on here. I know that <laughs> I'm not a remedy uh, because we have so much to say. Uh, I want to bring up Alex Lyons again here. Uh, Alex Lyons actually met uh, Eric Pierce. Uh, and by the way, these are young kids. They're younger than my granddaughter's, 28 years old. And these kids, when they when they when they take them to jail, put them in jail, uh, they just screw up their whole life. Uh, they make it to where they can't. They just cannot make probation, and they end up spending their life in and out of jail. It's just so sad. I'm just so glad that we have people like Eric Pierce, uh, Lions, Benos. Uh, Moran, uh, Matt Sears, taking them on a trial and not plea bargaining. Uh, we know that when you plea bargain, it always sounds good, but every plea bargain screws you. They will use it against you in, in later dates. Uh, we always say, come, take them to trial, keep taking them on. Uh, but when we talk about our case up here uh, four and a half years ago when Don and I got busted and went to jail, uh, where they really screwed up is they busted me for what Donna did. A lot of people, uh, I don't talk about my case a lot, but I go on for hours. Uh, how they sent, took me to jail and put me in solitary for two days, froze me to death in a flat jacket. Uh, we finally fought our case. Thanks for all the help, the Human Solution International, all the people that came for us, court support. Uh, makes all the difference in the world to have people that are supporting you. 
uh, we finally, after uh, almost three and a half years or whatever, uh, we were both up for 14 years. Think about it. Interstate transportation down a cent. Immediately two and a half ounces to a uh, previous scripted patient in Florida, all that. And, and it turned out it embarrassed Butte County that they wasted millions of dollars uh, over a few ounces of cannabis. We finally, uh, I wouldn't do it now, but I know now I probably wouldn't take this deal, even though I wouldn't have let Donna take this deal, <clears throat> even though. It was a it was a hell of a deal considering we were both up 14 years and it got down to basically a slap on the wrist. She so Donna took a, a plea deal for only cultivation, uh, three years probation. Uh, what I would have done now, the only thing I would have done different, uh, when you talk about uh, being charged with a felony and then you're going to get a wobbler, just uh, misdemeanor, this will screw you. Think about it. This misdemeanor on the end, if anything happens to you down the road, they're going to use it against you. The judge will make a big thing to the jury. Oh, you were a felon, and they, made, they they let you hop to a misdemeanor. Here you are again, back in the courts. So they're going to use that against you. We're getting diversions now. Uh, Joseph Tully up here is uh, leading the way. And uh, a lot of these PDS attorneys up here are coming around. They know that if they want to be on a winning team, because remember, these, these, these public offenders and attorneys all have a private business. I said, you want, you want to be on a winning team? Then we don't want to hear any kind of plea deals. We only want to hear dismissals and acquittals. And a lot of them, that's where they're coming from now. And we're, and we're actually, uh, I think, we're gaining momentum up here. Uh, and also Shasta County in Northern California. Uh, we already backed down to Hema County. We're not even going there now. If you remember back with, uh, with the Lance Stenhouse and uh, uh, Curtis Keaton's case, uh, Planet Herb, Drusen Drusen, uh, went to trial, and they, and they, they, they won. And since then, uh, I noticed that uh, in Tehima County that uh, uh, even uh, I think the DA at one point said he agrees uh, that a lot of these cases shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, uh, there shouldn't be any case at all. And a lot of these circumstances, I'm uh, just kind of babbling on here, and uh, um, I'll try to cut to some brevity now. Uh, so our mindset is, of course, is nullification, like Dr. Allen said. It's so good to hear him talk. Uh, I honor him so much. Can you imagine spending 14, 14 months in federal prison in Mississippi? Oh, my God. And what he went through in there, his case, uh, all these cases are historical. Uh, his case <laughs> tops them all. Uh, I've known about his case. I've worked with him, talked for four and a half years now, and I'm still finding new things that happen with this case that are blowing me away. Uh, I want to thank Doc and all the doctors for standing strong. Uh, they do take a chance when they come for their patients. Uh, I could go on. Uh, if there's any questions uh, you have, uh, I'll be glad to answer them. 
Uh, I'm kind of out of sorts here because I'm overloaded. We missed the show last week, so I'm trying to catch up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could expand more on some of these cases. Both of them uh, have all the – they think about it. They always have the same charges. It's cultivation, possession, uh, sales, uh, and there's guns, and there's mushrooms. Now we're finding out with, with these psilocybin mushrooms – uh, I think Matt Sears here is charged with him, or one of these cases, and it's only a misdemeanor. What's that say? Even Alex said all these all these guys get busted, all their friends, they all have mushrooms. And uh, it's just another plant that goes wild. And, and, and in my case, if you remember, Christian, uh, Mindy, that uh, I was charged, we, uh, we were charged with mushrooms too. Uh, I had that that one more uh, was in a one month. I had that work my case myself, and I had the mushrooms and all my all my charges pretty much uh, went away. And this is what we tell the fitness when you get when you when you uh, when we come for you, we uh, ask you to work fifty fifty with us. No one knows your case better than you. Uh, always get a big pad and start writing. Write a statement out. Everything that happened to you, uh, work with us with your case. And uh, this means so much to your case when you start working it. You when you want to get all your discovery. It's a huge word. Uh, and your first discovery always is your police report. And when I first meet a defendant, I said, what's your charges? How many pounds? How many plants? They start guessing. I said, you don't want to guess. You want to get your police report and know exactly what you're being charged with before you go saying anything. Because I've had defendants talking about stuff that, that isn't even on the police report. And, and we always say it's best if you don't know what to say, especially after you read your, your Miranda rights, it's best not to say anything. You'll have to talk to my attorney. Uh even if you say something that can help the case, uh, we they find out you can't even use it anyway. So that's that's a really good uh, uh, information to always uh, uh, best not to say anything. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I want to thank everybody today. Uh, all the people on the front lines always coming together and in prohibition. Uh, don't forget about our, our POWs in there writing letters. Uh, there's nothing, no, nothing more important than mail call. It's really all they have in there. Uh, also, uh, these these uh, letters, uh, pardon letters and letters of clemency uh, mean a lot. When you do, always write a prisoner to and send them a copy so they can take that copy with their attorney to the judge. Uh, it means so much to to prisoners to know that they're not forgotten in there and that we're out here doing our best on the front lines to end prohibition for all POWs. That's, that's our goal and vision in the Human Solution International. Uh, no one should be jailed for a plant and die in prison for a plant like Christian's dad uh, bless uh, Richard Flores R.I.P. 
uh, where, where cannabis patients are easy targets uh, until uh, you make us mad. Uh, and then we come on <laughs> and we stand down and we take them on to trial. Uh, okay, I'm just kind of rambling on right. here. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Have a nice Sunday. Uh, over that. Thank you. Have a nice Sunday. Oh. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, and all the people on the mm-hmm. front line. Uh, and always, uh, don't forget to breathe. It really does help. And then I always forget to breathe. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. All right, that was Tom Corby, who is a a national coordinator for the Human Solution International, who seriously does every single thing in his power to end the war. It's it's really really amazing um, watching Tom work. He's cool. Um, But you guys, we're about to go into closing. But first, I want to thank all the listeners. Um, Oh, they missed them. I just missed uh, Tony and Adam were on the line. But I just want to say thanks, you guys. Um, they're going to be hopefully helping a little bit at the Seattle Hemp Fest. They're, they're part of our group up here in Washington, um, Oregon area. And they are they get to all the events as well and, and help get letters signed for prisoners. So um, I guess I'm going to go do my clothes, my clothes, and then we're going to listen to a song. So I just want to say um, it's Sunday. We have to end prohibition, and there's two ways we can do it. One, we've talked about during nullification. That is your power to say not guilty if you believe that a law is bad, not just a cannabis law, any law. And I, in fact, I recommend any nonviolent uh, laws that you're called to trial for. Um, if you're a juror, actually judge a law. And if you think it's a bad law, you can say not guilty. You can refuse to convict, which means that if everybody went to trial and everybody said, oh, that's, they're not guilty, they don't deserve to go to jail, war would be over. Okay, another way we can end the war right now. <clears throat> by not snitching. And that just doesn't come out of my mouth. This comes out of the mouth of every single prisoner that I know of that's been snitched on. And how you like it if, you're, if your lifelong friend after 20 years told on you in federal court because you were fighting for your rights and for the rights of everybody else's. Without snitches, they don't have very much to work with. The jurors don't get to hear. They, that's what the feds want you to hear is snitches, not just the feds, but in any, any case. They want you to hear the snitches. So if we don't snitch, there's no cases. So no snitching and say not guilty. And the war would instantly basically be over. It would just instantly just start crumbling across the whole. Plant prisoners would initially be free because they wouldn't be able to make convictions. Laws would be off the books. They can't get convictions on laws. They, they wouldn't be on the books no more. Prisoners would go home. Okay, so first we want to thank CCHI for giving us this platform in order to do this voice. We only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to hurry with this one. Um, thank all of our volunteers, our listeners, Mindy, um, uh, Becca, who volunteers with us quite a bit. Um, next, we want to, um, I just want to bring up a prisoner, Richard Delisi, who I was able to speak to in the last week or so. He's on his 28th year. His kids have been on our show a couple times. Get his ass home. Get free Delisi. He's in a state prison in Florida. I can urge you guys to uh, call the governor and tell him to grant him a pardon immediately because he does not deserve to spend one more second in prison. Um, it's not just there's over 50. There's basically over 50 that are in the same situation that he is, but he happens to be a really good friend of mine. Um, so now we want to say rest in peace to some of our people who are not here today to even be able to listen to the show or to have a voice. 
However, the fact that they're not here doesn't mean that they don't have a voice anymore because that's what we're here for, to remember them and to get their voices heard. Um, first, I want to say rest in, in peace to a man who um, we love truly, Eugene Fisher, who served 25 years of a life sentence for cannabis. When Eugene was freed, man, his heart was still in prison because <laughs> this man stood up for all the other prisoners that he left behind. He stood up for cannabis. He stood up for nonviolent crimes. Um, while he was in prison, he was an NAACP leader. Um, when he got out of prison, he was a, a board member and an executive director for the Human Solution International. Then he moved on to do VAL, Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. Um, I met him during my times with the Human Solution, and, oh, my gosh, this man was, like, like similar to a father to me. He's just such a good man, very caring heart. To the, to the war and to the people that he knew in his personal life. So rest in peace, Eugene. He was a former host of this show, and his memory is so so fresh in my mind that this brings me to tears to have to say that he is not here anymore to do the show. But um, his memory is here, and he helped, he helped put this show together, and this show is his as well. Rest in peace, Eugene. Next, I'm going to say rest in peace to my father, Richard Floor. <laughs> my dad, he he owned five dispensaries in Montana. He's followed the state laws, and the feds came and ruined my whole family's life. My mom went to prison. My dad went to prison. And eventually, my father got out of prison by dying. Um, they killed him. They killed him to death. He, I had to take him off life support while he still shacked into a bed. They basically neglected him to death, and I ugh, rest in peace to my dad. Also, rest in peace to Gary Shepard, um, who's a close friend of mine, Stacy Tice, who does that big green boss I was telling you guys about earlier, or her uncle, um, Gary Shepard. He was shot down by the federal government. I think it's been about 22 years now, 21, 22 years, um, while he stood next to Mary Jane Jones. Mary Jane Jones held the baby Jake in their arms, um, in fact, baby Jake has grown to be like a strong advocate, a strong hero, an outstanding citizen. Everything he that's happened to him has just turned into some positive things. But they were shot down by the, by the Fed during a raid, and um, Gary was shot over 20 times. Mary Jane Jones was shot too, but she survived. In fact, she just recently passed away this last year. So we want to say rest in peace to those two heroic heroic people and thank them for leaving behind such good warriors. Also, rest in peace to Jack Hare, who taught us about the plant. He wrote a book. He helped pass laws. He fought his ass off to help end prohibition, but it wasn't over before he passed away. So now he's on the other side with Eugene and my dad and Gary Shepard trying to end the war. When with the rest of our prisoners, the rest of our people I'm about to tell you about, like Bill Lamorte. Oh, my gosh, Bill Lamorte, he was a close friend of Eugene's. Nobody ever heard his voice because he was locked away in prison for 20 years by the feds for a plant. He was served a life sentence. He never, he served his life sentence to death, passed away on July 4th. Um, he'll always be remembered. Eugene said that he grabbed his yard, his chest in the prison yard, and died of a major heart attack. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams who's a civil rights leader, not just for cannabis, but for also gay rights. And he was, um, I believe, did some major things in as a political leader as well, 
Boone, he got in trouble for the plant. He was on probation for the plant. He couldn't have his medicine. And I believe he um, choked over his own vomit. And the medicine used to keep him from throwing up. So rest in peace, Peter McWilliams. He left, a, he left us some inspirational books um, about how to deal with death, which helped me with my father's death. And um, also like how to laugh. I, I don't know all the names of his books, but check them out, please. Also, rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was a defendant, who was trying so hard uh, to keep his family out of prison by the feds. He went to D.C. and tried to help save everybody by trying to pass a, a law. Anyway, he died in the middle of it all. Rest in peace, Larry. Also, rest in peace to D. Young for giving us Adam um, and for also for standing up and using the medicine um, as you could and, and for not worrying about um, the feds like that. That I looked up to Dee a lot and what she, what she's what she's done with um, her cancer and with cannabis. Also to Curtis Cecil, who we heard from his father earlier today. Curtis passed away while his father was in prison, um, and he served the biggest loss of his father in our war. So Curtis is a hero to us, and rest in, also rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde. They're two little children whose families were using the medicine to fight their children's uh, brain tumors. And it was working until their caregivers got raided. And when their caregivers got raided, the children lost uh, lost the medicine. This just wasn't available, and they passed away in the war. And also rest in peace to Bernardo Fumer Martinez, who was a close friend of mine um, who believed that nobody should go to jail for a plant. And Fumo did so much as trying to visually get that out into the community um, because he liked to take videos. And not only did he try to get into our communities, but around the world, that was his vision to end prohibition, and that's what he was willing to offer it. But he passed away in the middle of the war. Rest in peace to, to Fumo. Uh, also, rest in peace to Lane Salmon um, with the Onak tribe. She was using the medicine to get better, and the Onak tribe was sending it to her, and the post office was intercepted, and now the feds are involved. In the meantime, this big old fight's going on over one ounce of cannabis. Elaine Sammons just sat there and suffered to death. So rest in peace to Elaine. Also rest in peace to Oscar. Uh, he's a friend of Eugene's and George. We had George on our show earlier. Um, Oscar passed away in prison. They were friends with him in prison. He went to FCI in the sky. And also to all of our prisoners who are serving life sentences, we want to ask you to help us in prohibition right now so that they can go home to their families. Okay, because nobody should have to go to prison or die for a plant, period. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show today and encourage you to listen again next week. Encourage you all to share this radio show out there so the voices get heard ten times more and that more and more people can know what's actually going on in the war against cannabis. Thank you. I'm going to leave you guys with this song. It's called Kushite Sixta. It's called No More War. And I really like the song because it really represents the fact that we don't want no more war and why. So check it out. And thank you for listening to this morning's Sunday show on August 7th, 
importing the truth. And these wicked ass witches importing the youth to tell you the truth, man. I can't hack this. I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice. 2012 and they still manifesting destiny with military industry complex style weaponry. Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy. CIA means coke in America, apparently. It's been a narco plutocracy since the 70s. Corporations profiteering, domineering everything. Radio press, news in the media. You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you like GMOs. From Monsanto, ringing alarm at family farms so man can't grow.
Well, um, I I just can't get off of here without sharing Carrie Lee Woosley's voice. I got two songs by him. I I don't have time to play both songs, but I'm going to play one um, because Carrie Lee Woosley, I believe, is on his 13th year. It was 14th. Uh, He's sentenced to Marbot with Good Time. Basically, he gets out this year or next year, I believe. And he is a plant prisoner. And he wrote um, a whole album, or he didn't write it from behind bars, but he launched it from behind bars. And one of the songs he, he wrote was called Freedom, and another one was called uh, These Walls Around Me. Um, I think I'm going to play These Walls Around Me because I don't have time to do both. But if you want, you can sign up. He's, he's You know, one thing about Terry Lee Woosley is that he's got a major voice in our cannabis war, and he's about to be out. So he can help us help them because his voice is way more powerful than ours. He's a country singer, and he's a really good one. Um, in fact, his songs made the Billboard charts, I believe, on uh, Amazon charts. Yeah, he's he's serious. So I'm going to play his song, and then I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. I love you guys, and thanks for listening again. Oh, and sign up for Carrie Lee Woosley's newsletter. Um, I got the link on my Facebook wall. I posted it, I think, yesterday or the day before. Um, just, just check it out. I love it. Oh, um, if you guys don't know who I am, it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-F-L-O-R. That's how you can find me on Facebook. I've got an open wall, so if we're not friends, still check it out and sign up. Carrie Wheatley Woosley. These walls around me. Love you guys. Have a good Sunday. I've got these walls around me, so tell me how you found me. Thought I'd never see your face again. And am I just dreaming? I'm What you do will pass somehow Baby, look at me now I've got these walls around me So tell me how you found me Thought I'd never see your face again And am I just dreaming Or maybe just a feeling someone to call a friend Trust me, I am lonely My privacy is phony I'm just waiting to Love
Guys, this this war is real. Let's end it. Have a good Sunday.